Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. All right, they arrived from all over the world. They were on a mission to locate the Loch Ness Monster. That's right, that's right. It is the biggest hunt for the creature in 50 years. And, um, well, let me just go ahead and say that they all searched and they all came up empty. Volunteer hunters uh, traipsing around the Scottish Highlands had lots of different ideas about what they might do if they actually found Nessie, who legend has it has been hiding in the loch since the, uh, well, since as early as like the 6th century. So they, you know, they went, they sought, and they came up empty-handed. So um, I just want to ask, do you feel like sometimes you're searching for something that other people claim to have seen, that other people claim to know, but for you it's elusive? Because I think that's what's going on here. I think people are they're searching to see and experience something that is mysterious and they think quite magical. I mean, let's just uh, acknowledge that if there was a Loch Ness Monster in the 6th century, you know, this is the 21st century, so it's a long, long time ago. Um, I do think that there are people who search for the things of the faith in this way, um, and for whom Jesus remains quite a mystery, um, for whom God seems distant. And the things of the faith that I and others experience as so real. I mean, Jesus walks with me and he talks with me. I, I know him personally. And I recognize that there are those who long for that experience. And for whatever reason, it seems utterly elusive. And let me just say this. He's not the Loch Ness Monster. You can know him. And I know that it sounds ridiculous when I say, God is closer to you than your next breath. My friend and colleague, Susie Larson, wrote a whole book about it. And we're giving away copies this month. And if you are yearning to rediscover the nearness of God, if you want to know the God who is closer to you than your next breath, we want you to connect with him. You can go to MyFaithRadio.com and um, enter into the drawing. We're giving away 100 copies of the book this month. God is closer than your next breath. Um, he's, not, he's not far away. He's not hiding from you. Um, and he wants you to know him and sense him and walk with him in the power of the Holy Spirit and 
through the person of Christ. And so let me just invite you. Let me just invite you. If you haven't done so already, go to MyFaithRadio.com and enter the drawing for copies of, um, uh, for a copy of Susie's new book. It's, it's, it will bless your heart for sure. Um, and unlike these people who went all the way uh, to Scotland to search for something that's, you know, frankly not real, you can, you can have your search for God be satisfied. The book is closer than your next breath, and um, just encourage you to uh, make good use of it. All right, joining us today is Dr. Linda Mental. You know her, you love her. Um, are you having a hard time, like, resisting the temptation to judge other people? And we're not talking here about good judgment. Like, we want everybody to so, show good judgment. But the reality is a lot of us have become pretty judgy in our walk of faith. And so how can we become less judgy? How, are, how can we stop judging others even as we continue to be people of good judgment? That's up next. You're on Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Dr. Linda Mental is back. You can find what we're talking about today at drlindamental.com. Ten ways to stop judging people. Good morning, Linda. Good morning, and I like the way you introduced this because we certainly don't want to give people the idea that we we need not to think about how we react and how we do things, and we have to make good judgments in our life. So I I think that's really important to make that distinction. We're really talking, Carmen, today about what we read from Jesus in Matthew 7, where it's an attitude of the heart. When we judge someone, we put ourselves in a more superior position. And uh, unless we're a judge in a court, which we have to do that, then uh, we have to be very careful about what creeps into our heart in this area. And I'll, I'll confess, this is a really hard area for me because I'm trained to find problems in people. I mean, I, you know, I went to college 11 years to learn that, that I I practiced for 25 and I'm trying, I, I, as soon as I meet somebody and see somebody, I'm already thinking, okay, where's the dysfunction? What's going on? <laughs> but if I'm not their therapist, I, I certainly have to be careful what I do with all of that when I see it. And you can see it in someone else's eyes or in their facial expression, even before they open their mouth. So although you are going to help us, um, be less judgmental, like uh, show good judgment, but stop judging others. There's some of this that um, we carry in our faces and in our bodies along with our words. So um, help us to uh, along this path. You've got some tips for us to put into practice when we are tempted to be judgmental and maybe how to stop judging others. Yeah, so the first step in this really is just to pause. And when you're you're ready to say something, and I think we all have to think about that because we're so prone, given the way social media works and the way we hear things on television and the news, in the media in general, there's so much judgment. Um, and a lot of times there's premature judgment. We've seen that in the past few years where people make a decision about something without the facts, without knowing without talking to people, without understanding the motive of a person. And so just as a beginning place, it's a good thing to just begin to pause and to, before you start to say something, really check 
what's going on inside of you. And and especially when it when it comes to being upset about something, and this is something that I've worked on, I think I'm better, um, where I get a, a distressing email or something that really upsets me over email, and I want to lash out and just send a text or send an email back, and it's, it's not going to be one that I'm going to feel good about later. So I've learned, pause, sit on it, don't react right away until you can get some emotional regulation going in that process. So I would say that's step one. And I think yeah. that the other, the next point that is really helpful, Carmen, is there's a lot of times when I see stuff or I think I have a better way of doing something, but mm. I'm not being asked. And it's not really something that I need to insert myself in. So this is where I think good judgment comes in where you think, hmm, nobody is asking me for my two cents. Maybe I shouldn't be giving it here. Maybe I need to just sit and wait until either I'm invited into that or asked about that. And um, my input is really something that is warranted. Yeah, not every time that I have an opinion about something is it something that needs to be shared. And my opinion isn't necessarily um, the way that uh, a particular group or organization or the leader, if it's not me, right? I mean, and we're talking right. about environments where I am obviously not the leader. Um, that's sometimes hard as well. And so I think that's um, that's really good. Pause before you speak. Um, definitely pause before you just blurt out your opinion. Maybe wait to be asked. That's really, really good. Um, look at your own behavior. Do you judge others but not yourself? That one is uh, really, really good as well. Talk about being intentional. Yeah, so when you know that you have a tendency to do this, and this is something that I've done personally, I try to be really intentional about it. In other words, paying attention to when I'm doing it. So every day, if I catch myself, it's sort of like catching yourself in that process and going, I'm doing it. Okay, I'm doing it. So you're making it a real specific intention in your life to pause, to stop like we've been talking about. And really, it's about breaking the habit of doing that. And again, I think a lot of us, uh, a lot of our listeners will admit, like I have, that it's so easy in the culture that has been created about judging things so quickly to stop and pause in that process. So I think being very intentional about it and saying, this is a directive that Jesus has given us, judge so that we aren't judged. So it's not something that's a good idea. It's not some help, self-help thing that you should be working on. It really is part of Christian living where we we look and examine, as the psalmist said, examining our own heart, looking deeply into it and saying, okay, I need to be intentional about breaking this habit of judging people on a regular basis. Um, we're gonna um, we're gonna continue on this list of uh, helpful tips uh, to help us not judge others in terms of being judgmental. We're talking with Dr. Linda Mental. What works for you? Maybe you've got uh, something a tip to share with the rest of us as well. You can always text me during the show eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, 
all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Have other people told you that you're judgmental, that they don't like the way that you're treating them, that you're too judgy and not Jesus-y enough? We want to certainly walk by the clear instruction of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, do not judge or you will be judged with the judgment with which you judge. So how do we um, show good judgment and yet not be judgmental? We're talking with Dr. Linda Mental. This is a post um, on her site, drlindamental.com, 10 Ways to Stop Judging Others. We've talked about pausing before we speak. We've talked about um, withholding our opinion, waiting until we are asked for input. We've talked about looking at our own behavior, uh, you know, being sure that we're, you know, judging ourselves, um, not just judging others. We've talked about being intentional. Linda, let's, uh, let's, let's get into the rest of the list. Um, changing my perspective. What is changing my perspective or how does changing my perspective help me? Yeah, this is probably the most important of everything because you're changing it from a perspective of being superior and thinking you know the answer to actually a position of humility. And that is probably the most important thing that we all have to remember. We are not God. We do not judge. When when I get in that mindset, my husband will say to me, you're not the Holy Spirit. Remember that. That's his job, not your job <laughs> with people. And so we have to stay humble in that. And I'll tell you, Carmen, I may have told this story before, but it's the story that just keeps reminding me of how important this is and not to assume that we know um, what's going on in a person's heart. And that's actually one of the points of giving the person the benefit of the doubt. But let me tell you this quick story. So it's a, it's a, it's kind of a well-known story, but it's about a, a man who was on a bus or on a subway, sorry, in a large city. And he had a little boy with him, his son, and the boy was acting out on the, on the subway and was running around and bothering people and kind of being annoying and irritating to the people around him. And people were like giving him looks and, um, and, and like, get your kid under control. And finally, somebody went over to him and said, look, sir, you know, we've had enough of your son running around here and you not paying attention and you being, you know, you not being a good dad. And, uh, and the, the dad just looked at him and he said, you know, I'm so sorry, but we just came from the hospital and my wife just died. And you can imagine what that person felt like because they had no idea that this had happened in this man's life and he was distraught and he was not thinking about the behavior of his child. He had just lost his wife. So I think when I get to that point where I think, okay, um, I'm just going to assume that I know what's going on in a person, I think of that story and think, yeah, you never know what has happened with somebody, that irritable person in the grocery line that's in the you know, 12 items with a full basket. You don't know what kind of uh, story they had walking in there. So I think it's really good to you know, think about what could be going on, maybe assume the good, consider your motive in this. Are you there to correct people and put them on the right path? Or are you really there to show them the love of Christ and maybe offer grace to a person? So this requires in daily life with people that we know, Carmen, it requires getting to know those people and seeing you know, what does go on in their lives so that we're not making these uninformed judgments about people. 
I like your encouragement that we not only consider our own motives, but, you know, like get to know the person. Like mm-hmm. uh, this is really helpful. Um, help, but don't insult. I'm going to read this one. There are times we need to give our opinions, um, but the way that we do it matters. So how we do it in terms of honoring another person um, is really important. There is a how you do it as in addition to whether or not you do it. Right, right. And again, when you're trying to be helpful and you have something to offer and sometimes just saying to the person, I have some insight on that or I have something that could help, would you like to hear it? That sets up a whole different um, non-defensive you know, conversation with somebody when you're asking almost permission to speak into a person's life. And that's the type of interviewing that I teach medical students to do with a patient is ask permission. Say, you know, I, I have something that I think could help you here. Um, I would love to, l- to share more about that. Would that be okay with you? And the research shows that when you ask permission for pe- from people like that, almost all the time they'll say, yeah, absolutely, I want to hear it. And that's real different than saying to somebody you're doing that wrong and you you know you need to you need some help there and uh um and then telling them what to do so yes the how is super important all right i'm gonna um i'm gonna ask you here to uh to speak into my approach if it's not helpful and wrong because i'm always um i you know i want to be teachable as well i have on occasion asked a person if they're if they're aware of what they're communicating by a choice that they're making or by something that they're doing um, or have asked um, or I've asked them, like, what are you seeking to communicate? What are you seeking to achieve? Um, and part of that is an effort to understand that I'm also trying to win the right to say you may not be achieving your goal because what some are experiencing is not that. <laughs> Um, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. but then, you know, I, so I don't know, I just, uh, I'll throw that out there and is helpful, not helpful setting myself up for failure. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a fine line because you, it really, you got to check what the motive of your heart is. Are you there just to correct people? You know, is it that because I know better and I know how to Mm. do this right, so I'm going to do it nicer? Or is it that you really are concerned about somebody and you're saying, wow, you know, if they continue to communicate like that, they're not going to get their needs met. They're not going to, you know, have people in their life that are going to be supportive. So my motive is really to help. And, And I think if you check that motive, it will make a big difference in, in whether you decide to do that or not. Um, so one quick question from a listener here that might not be quick, um, but maybe it will be. <laughs> what What are you guys talking about? What is judging? So judging, if you look it up, it really just means uh, punishing, condemning. Um, and actually, there one of the definitions in the dictionary is concluding. So the idea here of not condemning or punishing or being the judge and jury over a person and particularly their heart um, when you don't know what's in their heart just being very careful of that and also staying in that position of humility Uh, again I think when we talked about I might know the answer to something but if I'm not being invited into the conversation and they're not asking me maybe it's not my place at that point to to say and we know that Jesus says if you humble yourself he's going to lift you up so he'll give you voices probably, but I think it all boils down to that humility of heart 
and wanting to really genuinely help people and love people. And that will come across very differently than judging them. So I want to place myself as a disciple continually um, under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And I want to say, I I want you to be judging my thoughts today. I want you to be judging my actions and bring me to an awareness of those things spiritually and then help me by your power and influence to make me um, uh, have good judgment, like my own behaviors, my own actions, but then also to give me the very spirit of Christ who did not ever come off as judgy, even though, Mm -hmm. I mean, ultimately he's the judge. So that really is the... That's the Jesus-y way of doing this, right? Always showing yes. perfect judgment, but um, never treating people in a way that leaves them feeling judged. I'm thinking about the woman caught in adultery here. It wasn't right. that Jesus said, hey, go, sin all you want. No, I mean, eventually he says, go and sin no more. But mm-hmm. he deals with the judgy people, you know, like, who are you to condemn? Like, you've got plenty of your own sins here to be dealing with. Um, why are you dealing with the sins of another person? So all of that is wound up in here. It's really, really helpful. Linda, thank you so much um, for helping us to unpack it today. Thanks. And I think if we just position ourselves in surrender, like you just said, Carmen, in a position of humility with the motive of love, the Holy Spirit helps us with each of these instances so that we know when we're checked in our spirit that we're probably not in the right place. Amen. So good. Um, DrLindaMental.com. Lots of resources you should be availing yourself of. Um, Linda, as always, thank you so much. Let's take a moment to, uh, to hear Breakpoint with John Stone Street. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll talk about it more tomorrow, but it seems like this is a good day to ask um, if you have a dream. And I think that sometimes when we talk with our kids, um, we are more prone to ask that question than we are prone to ask it as adults of one another. But it's a worthy question to be asking. It's possible that our dreams as adults have not only matured, um, but they become things that we can pursue with one another in substantial ways. And so when Martin Luther King Jr. talked about having a dream, he wasn't talking about you know, something that happened in the subconscious uh, in the context of, uh, of a dream state overnight. He was talking about a vision of the future, um, the positive possible future that God had placed in his heart and revealed to him, much like the prophets of old. Um, the prophets of old might have described what they saw in their visions of the future as a dream. Um, think about the way John Um, offers us the very content of the book of Revelation, or Ezekiel, or Daniel. I mean, right? There are dreams and dream interpretations, and and people have dreams. So what dreams are you dreaming that are aligned with the will of God, and how are you sharing those, and how are you pursuing those in your life? All right, uh, let's see. It is back-to-school week in a lot of places, or at least next week will be back-to-school week um, in a lot of places. And so as we are thinking about discipleship and we are thinking about uh, Bible studies that we might engage in in the coming year, the coming school year, remember we're all learners, we're lifelong learners, and so we want to talk about discipleship, we want to talk about lifelong learning, and that starts with a conversation about worldview. How do you see the world and everything in it? Like, just start with this question. 
when I say God, what comes to mind? That reveals your worldview. A.W. Tozier said um, this many years ago now, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So what comes into your mind when you think about God? Well, we want to be um, helping young children form what comes into their mind when they think about God, and that means we've got to talk with them about who God is and his attributes. So joining us next, Elizabeth Urbanowitz from Foundation Worldview. We're going to talk about a new curriculum that, that unpacks the attributes of God. When you think about God, what comes to mind? That's up next here on Mornings for Carmen. All right, we, uh, we're continuing to try all kinds of methods here to improve our audio. So, um, But good morning to Elizabeth Urbanowitz. She is back during our, well, we're calling it back to school week, even though not everybody is going back to school this week. But you can find what we're talking about at foundationworldview.com. Hello, Elizabeth. Good morning, Carmen. Thanks so much for having me on with you this morning. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, what comes to mind when we think about God? That is um, of critical importance. It, it tells me a lot about a person if I were to ask that question. And so when we talk about um, children, let's say ages four and up, the way we talk about God and the things that we share with them about God is really critical. Absolutely, absolutely. So talk with us about Foundation Worldview, remind uh, everyone what it is, and then introduce us to this new curriculum about the attributes of God. Yes, well, Foundation Worldview is a ministry that seeks to equip Christian adults, whether they be parents, grandparents, church leaders, ministry leaders, Christian educators, just any Christian adult working with kids with the tools that they need to equip their kids to carefully evaluate every idea they encounter and understand the truth and the goodness and the beauty of the Christian worldview. So we do that through a variety of outlets, through podcasts and book clubs and webinars. And then our primary resource that we offer is our curriculums, which I know for someone who might not be an educator, that might sound like a really intimidating word, but basically what we do is we take deep truths from scripture and things that God has revealed in the world around us, and we break them down in a simple, easy way for children in a way that aligns with God's design for their mind so that they can really grasp big truths. And so as you mentioned before, the, our most recent curriculum is our Attributes of God curriculum, which is for children four on up. And really our desire in this curriculum is we want to help children understand who God is. Because as fallen image bearers, our natural tendency is to view God through the lens of who we are. Are rather than viewing him through the lens of scripture, his self revelation. And as we know, Carmen, everything in our culture is just telling us, you know, we need to look within. And when we look within, our inner emotional world is the most reliable guide to reality, which is simply not true. And if we look within to try to figure out who God is, we are going to have a warped view of God, which is why I'm so excited for this curriculum, which just really seeks to ground children in the truth of scripture and help them understand who God is and how very different he is from us. All right. Hopefully you can, uh, you can hear me. I've switched over on my technology. So um, hopefully I'm not just talking to the wind here. Can you hear me, Elizabeth? I can. You sound wonderful. Yay. <laughs> All right. Um, when we talk about curriculum and we talk about who this is for, let me just go ahead and say it is really fun to have a curriculum that um, 
actually introduces us to the attributes of God. And let me let me say to you, if you are a person who um, maybe you were not raised in a Christian home, and this whole conversation about God and who he is is brand new for you, you actually know you have some wrong ideas about God because you hear about the God who is present and you hear about the God who is love and who is good and who is beautiful and who is trustworthy and faithful. And you say to yourself, that is not um, what comes to mind when I think about God. I actually want you to consider like becoming like a little child and learning afresh and anew who God is. Um, There are some attributes that only God has, and that's covered in the first unit. And then there are these attributes that God invites us to reflect. And so, Elizabeth, let's talk about maybe one of the um, one of the things that's true of God, attributes that only God has, and then um, and then we'll come back and circle back around to attributes that God invites us to reflect. Do you want to pick one of the attributes sure. only God has from unit one and talk about it? Yes. Well, one, I mean, I love all of the attributes of God because God is perfect and he is holy, but one attribute of God that I think we don't often think about and therefore it impacts our view of everything else is the fact that God is immutable. And what it means when we say God is immutable, that means that God never changes. You know, in Hebrews, we're told that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, you know, we, we're constantly changing, you know, physically we're, we grow up when we're young and then we start aging, you know, around the age of 25, we, we start deteriorating and then, you know, we're changing who we are, you know, the things that we know, the things that we love, the desires that we have, and even our emotions change. You know, some days we wake up and we're on the right side of the bed and it's a great day. Other days we wake up and we just wake up on the wrong side of the bed. And we often tend to view God through the lens of how often we are changing, where scripture is clear that God is unchanging. And this impacts then how we view things like God's love. A lot of times when we talk about God is love and God loving us, you know, that's an attribute he invites us to reflect, but we often view God's love through the lens of our love. You know, some days we feel really loving and we're really good at loving others. Other days we don't feel like loving others and we don't love them well. But if we can understand God's immutability, the fact that he does not change, that then impacts, oh, that means that God's love for me is never going to change because God does not change. And so this is something that we teach even little ones. And I think, as you mentioned, you know, even as adults, we can <laughs> we can get a crash course in this as well. But we talk about, we have them play a game where we talk about all of the different ways that they've changed since they were a baby. We have them look at pictures of themselves when they were a baby and note how their body has changed. Then we talk about, you know, how what they like and what they don't like have, has changed. We talk about how their feelings have changed. And then we look at God. And we say, okay, God is unchanging. He is immutable. And so we talk about things like God's love and God's mercy and God's justice and God's holiness. And we say, okay, so are those things changing or are they unchanging? And they're unchanging because God is unchanging. When we talk about God, what comes to your mind? Are you sure that the things that come to your mind are actually consistent with who God is and Uh, God has revealed who he is in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament of the Bible, and that is what is explored and unpacked in this uh, foundation worldview curriculum on the attributes of God. Again, we're talking with Elizabeth Urbanowitz. Foundationworldview.com is the site you're looking for. If you need me to, to text you the link 
You can just text me 877-933-2484. When we come back, we're going to talk about um, an attribute or some of the attributes of God that we can reflect. So there are attributes of God that he invites us to reflect, wisdom, faithfulness, goodness, justice, mercy, grace, or graciousness, love, holiness, um, the fear of the Lord, passing along to others what we in turn have also received, all kinds of things that, um, that God invites us to reflect as his children and his ambassadors walking around in the world today. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. If you're a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome pack gift. Request yours today at MyFaithRadio.com. We're talking with Elizabeth Urbanowitz. We're talking about the new Attributes of God curriculum for kids four and up. So you're probably four or up. So it's for you too. You can find it at foundationworldview.com or if you text me 877-933-2484, I will shoot you the link as well. Elizabeth, we have talked a little bit about um, things that are true of God, attributes that only God has, but there are also attributes that God invites us to reflect. Could you pick one of those? Yes, I'd love to. And before I do that, just wanted to explain the reason that we chose the word reflect here is we want kids and anybody going through our curriculum to understand that none of these attributes that God invites us to reflect are we going to reflect perfectly. Just as a mirror is not a perfect reflection of the object or person it's reflecting, we are never going to be a perfect reflection of God while we're here on this earth, but we can still enter into this reflection that God invites us into. Um, So one of the attributes of God that I think is really important for us to teach our children and that they understand is that God is just. And what that means is that God always does what is right. And then he punishes sin. And we want our kids to understand that, that this, this is what justice is. Justice is doing and living in a way that is right. And then for God, it means punishing sin as well. And so anytime we treat others fairly, we live in a way where we are doing what is right. And as we're interacting with others, we're treating them in the way that God has called us to. We are living justly and we want our kids to understand that. And then God's justice is also coupled with his mercy, that God is merciful. And what this means is that God does not give us the punishment we deserve. And the reason he can do this and he does choose to do this is because of Jesus, that Jesus paid the just penalty for our sin, that when he was on the cross, Jesus bore the full weight of God's wrath toward our sin. And now he can extend mercy to us because that payment has been made. And we want ourselves and our kids to understand that we too can reflect God's mercy and not in when others sin against us, not giving them the just punishment that they deserve. So these are two of God's attributes that are so important to understanding the gospel and so important for understanding the kind of God that we serve, that God is both a God of justice and because of Jesus, God, the son, he is also a God of mercy. I I love the, um, the order of the lessons in this particular unit, because I do mm-hmm. think that I need to understand and appreciate who God is as perfectly just and what the justice of God requires. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is this question about 
submitting to God, which is incredibly important. And then the conversation about God being merciful and then God being gracious and the thankfulness that um, is rightly, is the right response to all of that. And only then do you arrive at where I think a lot of people are tempted to start, which is God mm-hmm. is love. Um, can you talk about that? Because it, if we put God is love at the top of the conversation, at the beginning of the conversation, um, we are tempted to never, never move beyond our um, earthbound understanding of mm-hmm. love and God is love, but love is not God. And you, um, you help us see that in the self, the self-giving nature of who God is. Can you just talk a little bit about lesson 10 and unit two? Yes. Well, I think in every time in, in a culture that, um, where Christians are present, we're always tempted to pick and choose God's attributes and put a special focus on one or more attributes and then play down other attributes. And in the current cultural context in which we find ourselves, love is that attribute that everyone loves to exalt um, while playing down things like God's justice or God's faithfulness or God's holiness. Um, And so we need to make sure that we have a biblical understanding of what love is, that our culture tends to think love is like this warm, fuzzy feeling. And so if we say God is love, that means God should give me these warm, fuzzy feelings. When we look at scripture, the whole narrative of scripture, what we come away with the definition of love is that love is giving of ourselves for the good of another. And so for our little ones in this curriculum, we define it as God is love. God gives of himself. And we give examples in the curriculum of times when God is loving us, when it might not feel good for us, you know, as God is conforming us more into the image of his son, Jesus, and he's using hard things like sickness or suffering or different things like that, that those are still manifestations of God's love because he is giving of himself to do what is best for us. And as you mentioned, we want to make sure that we're not just isolating this quality of love and saying that this is all that God is. Yes, all of God is love, but all of God is also justice and holiness. So we want to make sure that we have this biblically grounded understanding of what love is and what love means in the context of all of God's other attributes. All right, Elizabeth, um, as we prepare to head back into a school year, maybe some encouragement to um, to listeners who don't have a child at home or maybe don't have a child at home anymore. Is there a role for the rest of us in terms of coming alongside families in our churches, families in our communities to help their children know the God of the Bible? Oh, absolutely. As I'm sitting here talking with you, you know, I'm single, I'm not married, I don't have children of my own, but God has called me to be part of the body of Christ. When he reconciled me to himself, he not only reconciled me to himself, but he reconciled me to all other believers in the world. And so any listener who is listening who might not have any biological children or might not have any biological children left in the home, God has still called you to be an active member of your local church. And in this season where maybe you have a little bit more flexibility flexibility in your schedule than you did in a busy season of parenting or at other times in your life, you can bless the families in your local church by investing time in helping them to disciple their kids and being a model of a godly woman or a godly man in the lives of their children. So that's why the Foundation Worldview uh, curriculums, which you can find at foundationworldview.com, are designed for use 
in your home as a family. They're also designed for use in your church or in your school. Um, and so I really, I commend this to you. I love Elizabeth um, as a person, as a sister in Christ, and I love what God is doing through her, um, through this Foundation Worldview project. So visit with her, foundationworldview.com. Um, check out this newest curriculum, The Attributes of God. Uh, if you want me to send you the direct link, you can text me at 877-933-2484. Elizabeth, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me on, Carmen. Absolutely. That's Elizabeth Urbanowitz. Send up a prayer for her today as well. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. So more than 30 million people have, over the course of time, bought a copy of Jesus Calling. And there have been any number of follow-on books, and there's a podcast, and on and on and on. Well, um, Sarah Young is the woman God used to bring Jesus Calling forward into our lives. And um, yesterday, um, our friends at Thomas Nelson Publishers shared that um, Sarah's health is rapidly failing. And we all know um, that Sarah believes in the God who, to whom we pray in the name of Jesus and that he has the power to heal and has asked prayers for healing. And so we're going to, uh, we're going to join in that this morning. And so I would invite you to join with me in praying for Sarah Young um, and for others whose um, bodies are failing them today, that God might renew their strength and heal and heal them. Holy Father, we come before you as brothers and sisters in Christ and in his name. We come by the power of the Holy Spirit. We come with the full knowledge that you are the great physician. You knit us together in our mother's wombs. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Father, you know Sarah Young and you know others like her as well, whose bodies, whose health is failing today. And we know that you have the power to renew their strength, to heal, um, to heal them. And so, Father, we ask by faith that you would do this. We trust you. We acknowledge that you are good and that you are great and that you know the plans you have for each of us. And so, Father, we ask today by faith that you would heal. We bear up to you in these prayers, those we know. And we bear up ourselves as well for the things that ail us. Father, grant us the grace today, all sufficient for the living of these days. Empower and equip us to walk out our faith into the world that you so love, and let us do so in ways that honor Jesus. We thank you for revealing yourself, and we thank you for pouring yourself into us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lead each of us today to cooperate with your Holy Spirit, that we would yield moment by moment to your active presence and your active work, that we would call on you that we would put our hope and our trust in you, indeed, that we might mount up on wings as of eagles, that we might walk and not faint, run and not grow weary. Grant your grace this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.